Welcome to the West Virginia Writers Podcast, a service of West Virginia Writers Incorporated, the Mountain State's largest all-volunteer nonprofit organization dedicated to writers. Established and incorporated in 1977, West Virginia Writers continues to support writers and writing statewide through program sponsorship, an annual writing contest, and an annual Summer Writers Conference. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the organization, its members, and events, as well as writers throughout Appalachia and beyond. And now, broadcasting from atop a hill in Mercer County, here is your host, El Presidente, Emeritus. Thank you, Gertrude, and hola, listeners. Welcome to the 11th episode of the West Virginia Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Fritschews. Before we begin today's show, I'd like to draw your attention to a special project created by the composer of our show's music, Mr. Pops Walker. Pops is involved with a group called Performing Arts of Luray, based in the Luray, Virginia area where he lives. They're hosting the first Shenandoah Valley Acoustic Roots Festival and Songwriting Contest. Now, this contest is in search of great acoustic roots songs, and by that we mean blues, country, folk, even bluegrass, but most importantly for you songwriters out there, you're supposed to think acoustic roots. People interested in entering this should submit CD recordings of their original songs via the U.S. Postal Service. Preliminary judging is already underway and will continue through August 2009. The top ten finalists will then get to perform live on October 3rd, 2009 at the BB&T Performing Arts Center in Luray. First prize is $500, a guaranteed future booking, and six hours of studio time. Second prize is $300 and a guaranteed future booking, and third prize is $200. Complete details as well as the address where you should send your CD to can be found at performingartsluray.org or at popswalker.com. Both of those links can be found on our website, wvwriters.org slash podcast.html This is our first podcast post-conference 2009. Now, my original intention for this episode was to assemble a plenitude of sound bites and interviews recorded at the conference with some of the movers and shakers and workshop presenters in attendance. And I even walked around the conference with my digital recorder dutifully in my pocket the entire time. Do you think that thing ever made it out of that pocket even once? Well, okay, it did, but only so I could listen to the Adam Carolla podcast while walking to breakfast one morning. See, what I didn't account for in my master plan was how scheduled my entire weekend actually was, regardless of how unscheduled I'd intended for it to be. I had two workshops to present myself. I was also assisting Kirk Judd, Kat Pleska, and Danny Boyd in a video interview with artist-in-residence Boyd Carr, and somehow I got roped into emceeing the entertainment on Friday and Saturday nights and introducing the keynote speaker at the awards banquet. In between all this, I was able to attend a workshop or two myself. So... I have no sound bites, but I thought instead we'd bring back the person who helped me summon up memories of conferences past in episode three to talk about the most recent conference past. All the way from Florida, Rhonda White, welcome back to the podcast. Hello, Eric. Thank you so much for having me again. Oh, you're quite welcome. Now, last time we had you on, I I mentioned that it was a crisp, cloudy 49 degrees here while you were there in Florida where it was comfy, warm, and in the 80s. I'm guessing at this point, you know, here at the crack of July, our fortunes are kind of reversed. I think so. You probably got the comfortable weather, and I've got the steamy weather. It'll cool down in a day or so. It's barely over seventy here. Oh uh, well, we're uh, we're pushing upper nineties today, so it's a little steamy out there. Well, before we start, we've got a bit of news that we haven't covered on the West Virginia Writers blog or the podcast before, although it's been on the West Virginia Writers roundtable. Uh, Faye Thompson who is a a former West Virginia Writers president and the administrator for our online email forum, the Writers' Roundtable, underwent triple bypass surgery this past Tuesday. 
I know. That's so tragic. But I hear she's doing really well. Faye's always been a fighter, and um, I think she'll bounce back quickly. Our, our group of, on the roundtable has been saying lots of prayers and sending well wishes to her. So um, I know she's doing great. She's supposed to get come home in a day or so. Yeah, her granddaughter posted uh, today, I believe, saying that her surgery was successful and she's been moved to a private room for recovery and... And, uh, well, yeah, like you said, maybe home in a couple of days. I probably wouldn't make this joke if, uh, she wasn't through the thick part of the woods on this. But before this, I've long maintained that I didn't believe Faye Thompson actually existed. <laughs> yeah, she's out there. I say that because I've never actually met her. She's, she's like this mysterious Thomas Pynchon like figure who rarely comes to conferences and seems to only communicate by email and messages to the round table. But she's always there when we need her, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I feel sure she'll be right back where we need her again. So I've been assured that she exists and I've actually spoken to someone on the phone who claimed to be her, but that really could have been anybody. <laughs> the whole persona could be a pen name for somebody. We got to figure out who it is. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah, that's the rumor we'll start. Okay. This was your first conference since 2007. What was it like to step back in? Oh, it was just like coming home again. Um, it was just like I'd never, never left to, to begin with. It always is like that, even though you've got, uh, you know, a year between conferences, or in this case, two years between conferences. It's homecoming. It was great to see you there because, as I said before, you were at the very first conference and were a major part of that as far as the people I met and the friends I made. Um, you and a, a, a group of about six or seven people at the very first conference I went to. And so it was great to have you there. And, in fact, a lot of that same group was back at one point or another during the conference. Yeah, they can't run us off, Eric. People keep trying, and we just keep coming back, you know. You can't keep us down. What kind of workshops did you attend while there? Well, you know, this year, Eric, I wanted to try out a few new things, so I really stepped outside of the genres in which I usually write, you know, like the gothic fiction and suspense and poetry. Um, I've been editing quite a bit of inspirational romance this past year, so I sat in on Pam Hansen's workshop on that subject. And, you know, as always, she provided a wealth of information and just some great contacts and email links, and um, I'm sure I'll be able to pass that stuff along to my own clients from her. Um, I also set in on Andrew Willer's CSI workshop, which was something I hadn't done before. I've, you know, I've long had a taste for dark fiction, you know, probably something that I acquired from watching too many episodes of Dark Shadows with my dad when I was a little girl, I think. But since I cut my novel writing teeth on a suspense thriller with a lot of forensic scenes, I wanted to learn from one of the best who actually has first-hand CSI experience. And Andrew's workshop was so good that I ended up sitting in on a second one of his sessions as well. That was, that was exciting to try something new. I had intended to try a bunch of new things as well. I wanted to attend Dana Wildsmith, at least one of her poetry workshops, and hers tended to be scheduled during mine. Yeah, that's the way it always works. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, to You just can't attend all of them, which is why you have to come back the next year and the next year and the next year. But branching out must have really inspired me to keep experimenting with different workshops because then I sat in on something that is so different from anything I've ever done, uh, even though it's right up your alley, which was the script writing and graphic narrative with um, Danny Boyd and William Bittner. Oh, I wanted to do that one, and it was taught during my workshop. Um, I did get to their three-act story structure workshop, which was really good. Yeah, it amazed me. Yeah, it amazed me to discover just how much material that's crucial to script writing and graphic novels really parallels the form and function of, of good story writing in any form. I mean, I can take what I learned in those workshops and apply it directly to 
short stories and novel writing. So it, it was just like a really fresh approach to the basic foundation of good storytelling. I did get to attend one of uh, our podcast guest Susan Reinhardt's workshops, which was the business of writing. She's so and funny. <laughs> she is, and and a wealth of information because she's been through the trenches as far as it goes, as far as submitting things for yeah. fifteen years before it gets published. Yeah, that that goes to show you what tenacity in writing will do for you. One of the ones I really enjoyed was the pitch session workshop led by Christine Whithan from the Book Sense Literary Agency. How was that one? Uh, she she's the person who arranged for Peter Lynch, the managing editor at Sourcebooks, to come right. for the the pitch sessions and led a a how to on pitch sessioning on Saturday morning, and I got to go to that and and. Uh, I believe 47 attendees had signed up for the pitch sessions That's awesome. during that, and he conducted those Saturday afternoon. That was fun. I noticed, I noticed that a lot of people who were in those pitch sessions came out carrying uh, business cards. You know, they were invited to submit their work. So, you know, that's, that's always a good thing. And I've attended numerous writers' conferences where, you know, you're lucky if one or two people walk away having been asked to submit their full manuscript. But it seemed like a lot of our writers came out with those cards of where to submit and which agent to submit to. So that just goes to show you that we've got some really good writers in the group, and and they're learning from these workshops. They're not just going and having a good time and leaving without anything. They're actually learning how to improve their craft, and and they're walking away with, you know, potential book contracts. That's amazing. One of the things that really impressed me was that some of the people who signed up for the pitch sessions and who came out of there with uh, Peter Lynch's business card and contact information for how to submit to him. Some of them actually wound up being the people who won at the the writing contest this year. Uh, Susan Devan, for one, won in several categories at the the awards banquet, and she was one of the ones who felt most positive about her her sessions with Peter Lynch. And so I thought that was was rather nice that that she won those and that he was there at the awards banquet to see that as well. Yeah, she's already got a blurb to go on her first book. They talked about uh, in the pitch session workshop how to set up your platform, which is um, basically showing what your audience may already be as far as as people who are fans of yours. Um, if you have something out as a small press uh, book, for instance, but also awards certainly fall under that category as well. So it was nice to see that. Absolutely, writing and or publishing is is just like any other business. Those publishers are out there to sell and to market. And if you're a marketable person and you've got that platform from which they can use uh, as a foundation to sell your book from, we are already a step ahead of the game. I mean, that makes you very attractive to a publisher. Speaking of award winners, I believe you were the uh, the uh, recipient of a couple of awards at the the conference yeah. there. It was, it was very exciting. It really was. And I was even more surprised when I found out that the short story was that I won was judged by um, Chuck Kinder. You know, so I'm a fan of Chuck Kinder, so it's, it's, it's very validating when you have someone that you look up to and you respect as an author to say, hey, you know, this was a good story. That, that, that's a good feeling. I actually submitted a couple of stories to the contest myself just because I knew who the judges were going to be, and I wanted to be able to say, well, Lee Maynard read one of my stories, Chuck Kinder read one of my stories. I didn't win anything, so maybe they didn't like them, but they actually read them. And then then the People's Choice, to me, that's just the best award you can get because when you're peers, these are people that you look up to and you read their poetry and you follow their careers as writers and, and you sit there and you listen to them recite their work, and then you get up and read yours. And when 
they vote for you. That's that's just very amazing to me. That's very humbling and, and validating. Yeah, I was uh, very happy to have won a – you won a second place for the Saturday People's Choice Poetry, and I won second place for Prose on Friday. Uh, that was awesome. That was – rather fun. I haven't competed in the the people's choice in the last handful of years because when I was president there were so many fires to have to put out at any given moment that <laughs> you just don't get time. Right. Speaking of fires, Terry had a few of his own this year, but he did a good job of putting them out. I think he really you know, no matter how many last minute curveballs that were seemed to be thrown his way, you know, presenters and entertainers succumbing to family emergencies, he still hit the ball out of the park. He did a great job. He certainly did. And I warned him about that in advance, um, that as <laughs> as the conference approached, the emergencies would start popping up and things would start falling apart, and our job was to keep the wheels on the wagon. And we had a pretty major one a couple of days before the conference when uh, Keith and Joan Pitzer had to cancel their appearance as Saturday Night Entertainment due to a family emergency situation there. And fortunately, they referred us to Ron Soule, who is the music director of Live at the Mountain Stage. And he came and did a wonderful show. It was amazing. I have never laughed so hard at music in my life. I mean, his songs were hilarious. We were we were wiping away the tears over some of those songs. And touching, too. I mean, if you weren't crying from laughing so hard, you were crying because Ron managed to sum up the magic of fatherhood in the course of two lines. That's true. It was a roller coaster. It was really good. I think that makes for a good night of entertainment kind of winds you down and gets you ready to go to the bonfire. <laughs> and he was such a nice guy, and we're, we're so very grateful that he was able to step in at the last second and yeah. uh, provide just a, a truly amazing concert, which continues West Virginia writers' tradition of truly amazing entertainment. I know. I'm always surprised every year. I mean, we would think a group of writers, we would be so stoic and, and straight-faced, and that's just the total opposite of what we are. Particularly on uh, on Friday night when we had kind of an evening of of comedy and and well, Cat Plaska came as her her character Frances B. Johnston, who was a photographer she portrays as part of the History Alive program the Humanities Council puts together. She was so good. That was a, a really nice really nice performance there. And then we of course had our contest coordinator Stephen Goff come up and do stand up comedy afterward. And then we had Susan Reinhardt. Uh, who was our, not only our keynote speaker and workshop presenter, but she came and did some stand-up comedy herself with a rather wicked Sarah Palin impersonation. Very wicked. Uh, she she had me rolling laughing. I mean, between her and Steve Goff, both, they were so funny. And he He's like the next Rodney Dangerfield, you know. <laughs> and then here she comes with her Sarah Palin and, and complaining that there just weren't enough dead possums on the road in West Virginia for her to make up for a coat. I mean, how, how much funnier <laughs> can you get than that? She was just a hoot. While you were at the conference, did you pick up anything fun in the bookstore? I did. I actually got a copy of uh, Bill Bittner's Emma's for Murder, which gave me nightmares the first night I read the first story in it. Emma's for Monster, I think. Emma's for Monster, that's right. It, it was uh, scary. It's a, book of short, it's a book of short stories, and from what I've read so far, they get more disturbing with each one. And since, like I said, I have a, I have a penchant for um, gothic fiction and, and that sort of thing, and and the first one just threw me for a loop. And truly, I read it right before I went to bed, and I had nightmares. So <laughs> it's that scary stuff. And it's hard to, uh, after you, you talk to Bill Bittner, it's hard to match his kind Southern gentleman persona to that, that freaky writing. And he didn't even try to put you in a chokehold. <laughs> I bought two books by Barbara Smith, her novel Cir The Circumstance and her short story collection Chick Flicks. <gasps> which I had not read before and am very happy to have picked up. I'll in have fact, I have, a, 
a mighty big pile of, of things to, to read. In addition to, I also picked up a couple of poetry collections, uh, one by podcast interviewee Dana Wildsmith, which was her One Good Hand collection. And then there was a brand new collection from Mary Lucille DeBerry. I know, and I didn't have a chance to get Mary Lucille to sign my book, so I've got to get that to her so she can sign it for me. It's just, I love her poetry. She's an awesome poet. It's called Bertha Butcher's Coat, and it has such a lovely cover. And I didn't realize that she'd even had this published until I came there and saw her, and she was like, Eric, come look at this. I uh, know, it's so exciting. Yes, yes. She's such a kind spirit and a kind soul, too. So that, those are the kind of people whose books you really enjoy having on your shelf. Another thing in my pile of things I picked up at the conference is a DVD that I won at the silent auction for a movie called Hillbilly Monster that <laughs> features our uh, good friend, the late, great Joe McCabe, in a, in a starring role. Uh, that's wonderful. What a what a great thing to have on you. I have not yet watched it, but when I saw that there, I was like, I have to own this. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that was there. I would have outbid you, I promise. <laughs> well, it was in a, a war between me and Karen Fuller for a while there. <laughs> and I didn't even have to sneak in on on Sunday morning and put in a new bid. Well, I, I snuck in and won a great bid at the silent auction as well from uh, the West Virginia Roundtable's Ingrid Browell. She um, auctioned off an $800 value of genealogy research. Wow. She's a professional genealogist, and so I'm going to have some of the family history retraced. And, and I got it for a very, very, very low price, so I'm really excited to have that. Well, are you coming back next year? I'll be there, Eric. You can't keep me away. <laughs> that two-year stint, I suffered from that, so I'm, I'm ready to come back already. I think I might have enough inspiration to last me through the year, but I don't know. You may be getting some phone calls in the meantime. <laughs> well, Rhonda White, thank you very much for speaking to us here on the podcast as our first returning guest. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. Have a great summer. Rhonda White's stories and essays have appeared in Thrive, Gambit, The Seeker, Bluestone Review, and the West Virginia Writer's Literary Anthologies Mountain Voices and Seeking the Swan. Her editing services can be found through the Inspiration for Writers website, which we have linked on our own podcast website, wvwriters.org slash podcast.html. Well, the past couple of weeks have been something of a break from podcasting for us here at the Mr. Herman Studios. I'd like to be able to tell you who will be turning up for next week's podcast, but I'm afraid we're in for a bit of another break, because I'm going to be out of state for the next couple of weeks, one of which will be spent helping junior high and high school students write a three-act musical comedy in one week as part of the Summer Scholars on Stage Camp taking place at Mississippi State University. I may not have a functioning brain afterward, but... Should some synapses still be firing and my microphone warm, you can expect to hear new episodes of the podcast beginning July 17th. I already have a few interviews lined up, including poet Mary Lucille DeBerry, friend of the podcast and composer Pops Walker, storyteller Susanna Holstein, and poet Cheryl Denise. Be with us here next time for the West Virginia Writers Podcast. Our opening voiceover was provided by Marcus Vowell. Our show's theme music is used with permission by its composer, Pops Walker, whose albums can be found at popswalker.com. If you have comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at wvwpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast has been produced by Mr. Herman's Production Company Limited and was recorded at the Mr. Herman Studios that are located atop a hill in Mercer County. <laughs>